after I'm asked to to speak or or to preach, and so it, it's not it's not um, past us or I guess past a preacher to know that if if you get something and if you really feel impressed with it, then you know that that's the Lord dealing with you about sharing what I'm, what we're going to share. And, and of course, he's, he's done that in this instant, uh, instance, I feel. Um, and I, I can't remember exactly when, uh, maybe Friday it was, and then this kind of got to, uh, just kind of got to thinking on a thought. And, it, and it's really just a thought I want to share with you now. I'll stop for just a minute and, and put in a small disclaimer because I asked my wife. I've got to that point. Um, I went on a train ride for um, for um, my birthday. That was what, what my wife, the gift that she gave me was uh, go over Blue Ridge. And, and so I, I felt by doing that, I had uh, inducted myself into uh, old age because um, that's usually something that older folks do. Uh, four hour, five or six hour train trip, but I'm good with that because I am old and uh, and that's just that's just right down my alley, but um, I said that to say this was I had to ask her the other day and I almost text Brianna and uh, Tanya and Brianna are very good about writing down uh, in their Bible uh, where someone has preached before. And so I asked my wife, I said, have I ever preached this? I said, did Brother Doug preach this? Did Brother Andy preach this last few weeks? I said, because this really kind of got in my head, and, and I, I kind of feel like this is one. She said, no, I don't think so. So, so I'm making a disclaimer that uh, if, if this has been preached last couple of weeks, or if I preached it two months ago, I'm not responsible for that because I don't remember it. And uh, I've got to that point where I don't remember a lot of things, and uh but it, we'll just we'll just go with what uh, what it is. Now I got to say this, and I won't say any names, but <clears throat> there was a preacher uh, that we would know real well. He was in the uh, uh, he was in a service. I think it was like a camp meeting service, and there was a lady um, that had was asked to sing, and so she got up there to the front and sang, and he was sitting beside his dad, a very another well-known uh, minister that, that we would know and um, she began to sing a song and uh, this brother wasn't really paying attention a whole lot what was going on you know he was just kind of doodling around or, or what I don't know what he was doing but he was sitting there you know so she's singing and uh, I, I don't remember the, the song maybe Oh What a Savior or something like that and so he was singing next and uh, I think he was going to sing next and he was going to preach he might have been the one who was going to preach so he got up there to sing and got behind the piano and he said you know he said I, I don't know why but the Lord has just laid this song on my heart and he sang the exact same song she just sang so he, he did not know and that's a true story and brother Andy tells it very well because uh, it was told to him by the guy that done it <laughs> so he you know he whether he just wasn't paying to, you know I don't know but anyway you you get that way sometimes did I do this or not but she just sang the song and he sang it again and I think his dad called him on it, or his wife, or something later. Said she just sang the song. You sang the same song she sang, and uh, but the Lord had laid it on his heart. But we have those moments. Um, a thought that I want to share with you tonight is uh, simply found in verse uh, 22 of Jude, and it says, "And of some have compassion, making a difference." 
And that's basically what I want to share with you for just a few minutes tonight. I, I hope this is not lengthy, and I'll, if the Lord just tells me to cut it off somewhere, I'll, I'll do my best just to do that because I know everyone's tired and you've worked hard, and uh, um, it's been a, it's been a taxing day on on everyone. But like Brother Bryn said, everybody just uh, done outstanding uh, as, as far as I know and, and can tell. And, uh, everything, the food was great this afternoon, and, and uh, I know that uh, it was probably just as great again when the, the family went out there, but, um, and, and maybe fitting. How many of you this evening have a cell phone with you in church? How many of you are looking at it right now? God, I answer, answer the truth in the house God. I'm just kidding. You're going to need it in a minute, uh, hopefully. And uh, at the end of this, or a pen, if you don't have a cell phone, if you got a pen, write something down. But hopefully, I feel like the Lord's led me to this, and and I think it will, I think it will work out very well. But the the phrase here in verse twenty two, uh, making the difference. And what the writer Jude's dealing with is 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 basically dealing with the the salvation of people, the salvation of of those that are not saved. Of their soul, and he says, and some, and if some have compassion, making a difference, and and this kind of got to, I kind of got to thinking about this Friday, uh, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that here in just a little bit, but but the question I think to ask ourselves, and of course we as ministers always ask, always we always get it first, and uh, then just share it if we feel like the Lord wants us to share that, usually does. Um, are we personally making a difference for the Lord. You know, what um, What are we, what kind of difference are we making for God? What kind of difference are we making for God in our homes, uh, in our uh, communities, you know, where we are every day? You know, some folks don't live in Somerville. Some folks that attend here live in Floyd County and Walker County and Catoosa County and Bartow County. And, you know, we have a di different sphere of, of people. But are we making a difference? Uh, are we doing what we should be doing? Are we being who we should be doing what we can? Are we making a difference in our families? Um, you know, I don't know how you, you all are. I know how my life is, and it's, uh, it's, it's no more important um, than anyone else's. And, and what I do or my family's problems are no greater than yours and and uh, circumstances and situations, but I mean, you know, it, it's daylight to dark for me. It's, it's usually daylight, pre-daylight to about one o'clock in the morning for me, and then, and then there's a stint in there where I'm back up at three to four thirty, and then on back, and then six o'clock. So, you know, very few hours sleep, and that's just the way the Lord has it. Um, but you know. And, and you get in that routine of doing all that, and, and you know, going through the day. And it's very easy if you're if you're not careful, just kind of get mundane in your day to day. You know, we talk about getting mundane and going to church and our worship, but you know, you can really get complacent in uh, in your day to day living. And you know, before you know it, several years, several months, several days will have passed by, and you start to look back and you say, you know, what did I really do, or what kind of difference did I really make? And are we making that difference in our families? And that, that's a very, that's a very uh, uh, big place that we should be making an impact. 
We're making a difference in our churches, in our local church, where the Lord has, has called us to. Are we making a difference in our workplace, where God has allowed us to, uh, to be and allowed us to work, or the field that we're in? It don't matter if you're in a field, if you're, you know, if you're in a, uh, you know, if you're bagging groceries at Ingles. I mean, that it's, 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 uh, it's, it's what the Lord, you know, the, the scripture says, whatever you, your hand findeth to do, do it. Do it as unto the Lord. Do it with all your might. The, the thing about it is, is we get so caught up in these things, the, these uh, atta- things that we attain to, but, you know, the, the real big reason that we're here is to make a difference for Christ in whatever it is we do. It don't matter if we if we working at Mount Vernon, if we working at the tag office, or if we, you know, working at uh, Bojangles, you know, all that is just, that's just what, that's just the, the way that the Lord has the means for us to provide for our families. The, the, it doesn't matter about that, but what matters is, are we making a difference for Christ where he has us? Because, see, we're not, we're not put where we are by accident. We're, we're, we're where God you know, he doesn't. There was a time in, in my career where it was about six of us that were devout Christians that worked very closely together for for a circle of time, for a, a spirit a sphere of time, and and uh, you know we 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 talked about that, and uh, and one by one we saw we saw of the six or seven leave. And branch off and go different places, you know. Then we we actually talked about that again, and you know it wouldn't really behoove us to think that God's not going to keep us all right together, just like He's got us here this evening. But He's going to put us in different places to to try to influence different people's lives. But interesting thing about that is about the whole six or seven uh, are actually back together now of us that had that conversation back in the nineties, and interesting how God works, but. It is good to work with fellow Christians. It is good to um, to have that fellowship at the workplace. But, you know, are we making a difference there? Are we making a difference in the marketplace? Now, Sister Maddie could teach a class on this. Sister Maddie is making a difference in the marketplace. She's making a difference at Dollar General. She's making a difference at Ingalls. She's making a difference. She's making a difference. And that's good. And I'm, I'm cutting up, but I'm being serious, Sister Maddie. Sister Maddie? She's here, yes. Yeah, I thought I saw her. She's there. She's making a difference, and, and that's exactly that's exactly what it's about. Um, the the tough question that we have to ask ourselves is is are we, you know, and, and I think in dealing with this message is the even greater or harder thing. More than asking yourself is to be honest about the answer. To be honest about the answer. That's tough. Because what does the preacher say here? The other day was watching it on TV, or I believe it was a verdict that was making reference to we're not where we used to be, but we're not where we want to be. Not got there to where we want to be. So we're somewhere in the middle there, living life, and uh, hopefully um, at the forefront of that is, is we're. Uh, focusing on the Lord and what he wants us to do. We've been tasked with the most important work in history to make a difference in the lives of others for Christ. 
And the difference is, and the reason what that work is, the culmination of that work, and what we have to understand is the result of that, what we're working towards, is to see people saved. Um, you know, we, we get so, there again, complacent to the message of why are we doing what we're doing? Well, somebody's eternal existence depends on that. Somebody's soul hangs in the balance. If you don't think, for one minute that we don't think, I don't think, that somebody's soul is not hanging in the balance right now as we speak, then we are, we are way off the mark. Because there's people in circumstances and situations, there's people in circumstances and situations right now that haven't even asked to be in the situation they're in, but nevertheless, their soul hangs in the balance. Their life hangs in the balance. And depending on what we do as the church may be the only opportunity, the only chance they have at coming to know the Lord. Looking back at verse 20, here in Jude it says, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life, and of some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. The writer tells us one thing that's very noteworthy here that's not even really part of the message, but it's very noteworthy for us to understand. He tells us that in verse 21, that we are to continuously look for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. The mercy that he's talking about is the compassion and forgiveness that Christ extends to us when he has the right to punish, he extends to us that forgiveness. He extends to he pulls away the penalty of our sins, and he grants us that compassion. And the, the the Bible says for us to look to that, look to the mercy that's basically going to save us in the end. That we're to continue as a church to look towards the mercy, to the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, which will usher us into eternal life. So we're constantly looking for that. And as we remain focused on that, um, that goal, if you will, the prize, you know, maybe as Paul in a reference, you know, the prize was eternal life for Paul. I believe the prize was seeing Jesus for Paul. And he just wanted to see Jesus. And you could, one would be hand in hand with the other. If the prize is for you to make it to heaven, that's, that's you know, that's one of my, I'm going to, you know, I want to make it. I wanna, that's one of my big cliches, but. You know, also if the prize is just to see the Lord, you know, uh, as he is, as the scripture says. But to do that, we've got to look unto his mercy for that. None of us will make it without that mercy and his grace. Our job is defined in 22 and 23, and it says, And if some have compassion, making a difference. It says, Others save with fear. So the two things that we're looking at here this evening as far as what our job as the church is concerned, is that we are working to see the lost come to Christ. We're working to see the lost saved. There's two ways that the scripture tells us, just in these scriptures, that this will happen. The first one talks of compassion. It says in verse 22, And if some have compassion making a difference making a difference also in the greek if you look that up is also to make a distinction 
And the New King James reads it that way. It says, of some have compassion, making a distinction. The King James, the 48, says making a difference. And not only are we to make a difference for Christ in someone's life, but we also, by making that difference in the life of someone for Jesus, we possibly are contributing to making a distinction in their life. The distinction that it talks about simply defined in the Greek again is to distinguish or separate a person from the rest. Now when I read this, I couldn't help but to think in a certain way or a certain context of making a difference for the Lord to impact somebody's life for the gospel of Jesus Christ, but to make a distinction that we might have a part to distinguish or to see that person separated from a thing or a place and it dawned on me that the difference that we may make may separate that person from an eternal hell. To dis make a distinction in their life. What we do for Christ is to make such a, have such an impact or such a difference in someone's life that they are brought to the knowledge, the saving knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and they make a total destination change from having been on their way to a devil's hell and now on their way to a place that God has prepared for us. Compassion, if you look at these two, and I thought this was put very well in the commentary, the Matthew Henry commentary, listen to what it says about and, and I'm almost done. Listen to what it says about compassion. He says he directs them how to behave towards uh, those that are lost and of some having compassion. It says we ought to do all we can to rescue others out of the snares of the devil that they may be saved from or, or recovered when entangled therein out of dangerous errors or pernicious practices. We are not only under God, our own keepers, but every man ought to be as much as in him lies his brother's keeper. None but a wicked cane would contradict that in Genesis chapter 4, verse 9. We must watch over one another, must faithfully yet prudently reprove each other and set a good example to all about us. The two ways that we'll see people come to Christ, as it says here in Jude, one is compassion. This must be done with compassion, making a difference. How is that? We must distinguish between the weak and the willful. Of some, we must have compassion. We must treat them with all tenderness. We must restore them in the spirit of meekness, not be needlessly harsh and severe in our censures of them and their actions, nor proud and haughty in our conduct towards them. Not implacable, nor averse to reconciliation with them or admitting them to the friendship they formerly had with us when they gave evident or even strongly hopeful tokens of a sincere repentance. God has forgiven them, why should not we? We infinitely more need his forgiveness than they do or can do. Ours, though perhaps neither they nor we are justly, are sufficiently sensible of this. One way the scripture tells us that we are going to see folks saved is some will be saved by the spirit and by the tenderness of our compassion towards them. 
very easy to look out at a world of lost people. And it's in the flesh and in the immaturity of being a Christian, the first thing that I think is a great temptation to young Christians is to be judgmental. Matthew 7 speaks very strongly against this. Judge not that you be not judged. With whatever judgment you judge, you meet out, it will be meted back to you. It will be simply returned to you. But the scripture tells us to save or to seek to see those saved and that they will be saved by the compassion that we as Christians are able to display to them. The other thing it says in the scripture in verse 23, it says, And others saved with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Others saved with fear, urging upon them the terrors of the Lord, endeavor to frighten them out of their sins, preach hell and damnation to them. Now listen to this. But what if prudence and caution in administering even the most just and severe reproofs be what are primarily and chiefly here intimated? I only offer it for consideration. This is a commentator. As if he had said, Fear lest you frustrate your own good intentions and honest designs by rash and imprudent management, that you do not harden their heart. Instead of reclaiming even where greater degrees of severity and requisite than in the immediately foregoing instance, we are often apt to overdo when we are sure we mean honestly and think we are right in the main, yet the very worst are not needlessly nor rashly nor to extremity to be provoked, lest they be thereby further hardened through our default. Now what does all that mean? It means that some you say with fear, pulling them out of the fire, even hating the garment spotted by the, spotted by the flesh. But what he says as a comment on that, Yes, preach to them there is a real hell to shun. There is an eternal separation from God. But make sure that we don't overdo it. And I think probably the scripture that applies there is to preach the truth or to speak the truth in love. People must be able to tell the difference. If our preaching or our ministering, and, and we'll get to why that applies to us as a congregation and not just preachers, is to be always held or grasped in the spirit of love and compassion whatever the message may be or whatever he prompts you to say at a time when he thinks that it's fit the temptation that we face as the church or as Christians not necessarily as the church I guess you could say as the church is for us to remain silent and to be passive our message is only good if we preach it but so many times we can be tempted just to not say anything. And I've got to want to share just a little bit of scripture with you before we close, before we get to get to that in Romans chapter ten. It's very familiar scripture in verse nine that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. For the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
Verse 14 and 15. How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good tidings. So the temptation is to be silent or to let go or to not intervene or to not confront or not to talk or not to witness. But what we must remember is that for every person or every situation that we choose not to speak up or not to follow the, the uh, leading of the Spirit, then these folks may never hear the gospel. It talks about in verse 14, how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed and how shall they believe in whom they've not heard and how shall they hear without a preacher? You know, and, and you hear the word preacher and we say, well, you know, preaching of the gospel, it, it pleases the Lord through the foolishness of preaching to say them which believe. But we are the only people, preachers, that some people are ever going to see in life. You know, we think of examples of people that, that you know, that I know, that don't go to church. And the only Bible they see, the only thing represented with Christ they see, listen, is the life you live. And I had a, a, a opportunity the other day to, to speak to someone that I'm pretty confident doesn't go to church, hasn't went to church, hasn't went to church in a long time. But by the conversation, you can tell that what they know of the Bible and what they know of church and what they know of Christ to be is by watching your life. And based on who you are and what you say and what you do, they judge that to be either righteous or unrighteous. Or either, yes, he's a true Christian or he just says he's a Christian. And there's plenty of people out there that say they're Christians and, and live a different way. Not to judge or to throw a rock at them, but people know the difference. They know what's real, and they know who truly knows the Lord. There was a, an example in talking about making a difference in people's lives, being willing. Years ago, I had an opportunity to go and visit with someone, I told this story once, <clears throat> that um, was terminal. And it was laid upon my heart to go visit this person. And a particular scripture was laid upon my heart to share with this person. And a particular direction of praying, I was, felt like I was led to do uh, with this person. And basically the scripture was about divine healing. And so, you know, all the way there, I'm confident, you know, Lord, I know that you've asked me to do this. I know that I can't get away from it. It's got to the point where I, I've got to do it or I'm going to bust. You know, and you go there and you're, you're walking across the parking lot and you go into the elevator and you're going into the hospital and you're, you know, you're going to whatever floor it is and you're going into the room. And you're making the, the greetings, hey, it's good to see you. You know, I heard you've been sick and heard it's not looking real good. I mean, you know, just being honest. 
But then comes the point where you've got to open up your Bible and you've got to talk to this person that's dying about divine healing. Now, that was hard for me to do. It wasn't so hard at the moment because I felt like the Lord had had engineered the circumstance, had laid on my heart to do that. But I went through that, and to be honest with you, I'd have probably reacted the same way. It's not that there was an, an apparent reaction, but you could tell that you just don't know how well it was received because when you're talking to somebody that's dying about, look, I believe that if it's God's will, we can pray right now, and if he desires to heal you, he can heal you. And then you go into that prayer, and then you leave, and then several weeks later the person dies. Now, that's been 20, 15, 20 years ago, and I can stand here and tell you, and I'm not trying to be long, or I'm just trying to get this out and share one more thing with you and we'll pray, but I've struggled with that. Now you think, well, man, you missed it. But you know, I think what caused me to follow through with that was I kept going back in my mind is what if the Lord does want to heal them? And what if out of fear, or fear of rejection or whatever, I don't go, and if I would have went, they'd have been healed. That was what kept rolling over in my mind, and that's why I had to go, and that's why I had to do what I had to do. And that's why even though we prayed, even though several weeks later the person died, what if the Lord would have healed them? And I know we don't see that kind of thing today. We don't see a lot. There's another, you take that in physical healing, but the same goes for people's souls. What if the opportunity that the Lord gave me to witness or to make a difference in that person's life was the opportunity that that person had to be saved? My son-in-law, and I didn't check with him on this, but he, he just, he just mentioned it in a message he preached like two or three weeks ago. If I ever post a message on Facebook, you better know that in my opinion, in my meek opinion, which maybe not worth two cents, but that I deem it outstanding. And I've posted a couple of his lately, and one of his had this in it. And not to remember the particulars, just like he told it. But he, was, he had an opportunity to lead a person to Christ that was an atheist. And in the place where he was in his life, he did not feel comfortable engaging that and seeing that happen. He said it was set up, it was right there, the Lord had it set up. All I had to do was to, to give him Romans, give him whatever, and, and I know that that was, the Lord had done that. And he said that he didn't. And I believe it was somewhere like three days later, I think the young man committed suicide. He said, it took me months to get over that. He said, because I knew three days prior, the Lord had implemented, he had arranged that meeting for he and I to talk about the gospel. He says, but I chose not to do it. How do you recover from something like that? 
I can tell you the only way that he could or we could or anybody could is the grace of God. That would be tough. That would be a tough one. Friday I had the opportunity to go. The sheriff uh, asked for a few of us to go with him Friday afternoon to a school <clears throat> to where they were having a, uh, there's a Blue Lives Matter um, event. And the pastor of the church is also the headmaster of the school, which is normally the way it works of a Christian school. And um, we, we went. I didn't know what to expect. I just knew that we, as police officers, were invited to go. And so we went. And uh, there was about 40 other folks there, 40 other police officers mostly. In, and it was in Alabama. And uh, we got invited. We knew some of the church members, and they wanted us to come. So they, we parked our truck. It was in unmarked unit and I'm you know whether how they knew or, or whatever I think they were just out there greeting everybody but we got out of the we got out of the truck and they greeted us there's probably 20 25 kids all different ages that shook every one of our hands spoke to us they formed a line from outside of uh, the fellowship hall or the cafeteria going into the sanctuary and wanted us to march through into the sanctuary for the service and they clapped. They had decorations just decorated to the hilt, blue and black, the blue and black, uh, the United States flag. Uh, they sang. They recited scripture. They recited poems. Um, and at the end of the service, they all gathered around in a circle around those of us that were sitting. And from pre-K to 12th grade, they all joined hands and they prayed over each and every police officer that had came. And they basically just, we appreciate you, uh, you're making a difference. But there's no telling how much money they spent for food, decorations, time, and all those kids and all those grades learning the skits, learning the songs. And all that for no return, but simply to bless us. But that day, those kids made a difference. It made a difference in my life, and it was special to all of us. They were a blessing. And that's really kind of what got me thinking about this particular um, um, scripture, I guess, and, and, and what to, to share with you tonight. But are we making a difference for Christ the way that he wants us to 